Welcome to Novel Pairings, a podcast dedicated to making the classics readable, relevant, and fun. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Today, we're toppling your TBR lists with Pride and Prejudice retellings, adaptations, and alternate stories. Hey, Chelsea. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? I'm good. I am really excited for this episode. We both enjoy retellings of all stripes, and it's fun to get to do a Pride and Prejudice-focused one. It is. And so we've talked a little bit about retellings before, but I think this is especially going to be fun to talk about because neither one of us is all that picky about retellings. Like we just, (laughs) (laughs) we're really interested in the structure and the way that authors tackle a classic story in a new way. I know a lot of people who are especially really choosy and picky, you know, with their, their, they have good reasons for it, um, about Jane Austen retellings, especially, and Pride and Prejudice. So I think it's going to be fun to talk about some of these books that are like really loved or really hated. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have ones that I like more, think are better done, and ones that I have complaints about. But I'll try most anything and enjoy some elements of it for sure. So for you, for the ones that you like more, what makes it a better retelling? What's a good Jane Austen or Pride and Prejudice retelling in your view? So I'm going to start answering this by saying that we kind of divided our list into kind of alternate perspectives and pastiche. Pastiche is just when a, an author kind of imitates the style of another author. And then full-on retellings, which is like, Right. Different setting, different time period, usually. Pastiche is usually in the Regency era. So I think I have kind of different answers for for both. Like if the book is taking place in Jane Austen's world, I want it to feel more Jane Austen-y, I think. I, I want a little bit of a nod to her style. I want the characters to feel like the characters from Pride and Prejudice, even if the author is showing me something new, which I also want. But, you know, I want Charlotte that I encounter in a sequel to feel like the Charlotte that I knew in Pride and Prejudice. In retellings, I think I'm more loosey-goosey with retellings. I, I think it's just fun to see how authors translate the themes and the plot and the characters' identities into a totally different setting. So for those, I mean, I, I like to see some of the same themes. I like seeing scenes that I enjoy in Pride and Prejudice modernized or just done in a different way, but I'm less picky about retellings. How about you? I think, like you said, seeing your favorite scenes play out in a different way. I think that's really fun. I'm always really happy when I see some specific lines from Pride and Prejudice sort of twisted. 
I started a retelling today and it didn't open with a spin on it is a truth universally acknowledged. And I was like, is this even a retelling? (laughs) (laughs) So I do really love those nods. And I'm always most curious with how the author is going to twist the plot Mm -hmm. and do something new. I I know that a lot of people care really deeply about whether or not the characters feel authentic to them. And I just think that because Pride and Prejudice has seen so many iterations, I'm not too concerned about that. As long as they fit the types in terms of who the characters are, I'm okay and I'm comfortable with that. What makes or breaks it for me is really just if it's a well-written book in general. Mm, So the only retelling that I can think of that I hated, and it's not on this list at all. We're not going to talk about it at all. It's not worth mentioning. (laughs) It was so poorly. I just thought it was poorly written and I couldn't get through it in general. And no matter what it was about, I wasn't going to read it. It's not, it had nothing to do with it being associated with Pride and Prejudice. It just wasn't a good book. I I completely agree with that. And and I, yeah, I, I agree that it isn't totally about it being associated with Pride and Prejudice, but I think maybe there is something for me too about this being such a beloved work by such a master author. And it takes guts to go for a Pride and Prejudice retelling, I think. And I really want the author's writing to be able to bear the weight of that. Um, even if they totally change things. I I agree. The, the writing is probably the most important part. Yeah. Cleverness goes a long way for me in a retelling. And that's the thing that I'm really looking for. And especially, I think something that will make it great instead of good for me is if they capture Jane Austen's humor in some way, especially with Pride and Prejudice, which there are so many funny moments. I completely agree. I, I think, I know there are a ton of like kind of bodice ripper romances that retell Pride and Prejudice. And we're not going to talk about a ton of those, I think just because neither of us have read as many of them, but we'll put a link to some some lists of those in our our show notes. And so I, I know there are just like full on romancy retellings, but I do like my retellings to have Jane's sense of humor and a little bit of that like social commentary, like pointing out some of the hypocrisies in society or the awkwardness of human interaction or those social rules and expectations that are just silly, but we all follow them. I think that there are almost so many historical romances that are, they aren't even direct retellings of Pride and Prejudice, but because so many of them just stem from it, it's almost hard to pick them out and recommend them. I was I was trying to find a couple. I feel like the direct retellings aren't as common in those as just like these feel like Austin or these are very Austin inspired. But the and this is something that I think that we touched on in our part two of Pride and Prejudice is just like the roots of that genre are so strong in Pride and Prejudice that it makes it fun to see. And I think that's part of why these retellings are fun because Jane started something awesome. And I don't know, anytime that you have this widely recognizable story, I just think it's so fun to see how different people interpret it. All right, let's get into some of these. We are going to start with 
sequels and pastiche and alternate perspectives. Chelsea, do you want to kick us off with a Pride and Prejudice retelling you love or don't love? (laughs) These are either ones that I've really liked or that I haven't read yet. So we don't, I, I don't have any of the of the hated books on here. I just want to give another shout out to one of our pairings from part two of our Pride and Prejudice episodes, The Next Great Jane by K.L. Going. And this is not just a Pride and Prejudice retelling. Um, That's why I put it in this alternate perspectives category instead of a direct retelling, because the author is sort of combining a few different Austin stories. But I think that the core of it is more Pride and Prejudice. Like it's a middle grade novel. It's adorable. I read it in one sitting. And I think especially if you are getting into middle grade March this year, keep it going and pick this one up next. It's adorable. And I think that Austin fans will especially enjoy it. But you don't have to have read a bunch of Austin in order to like it just as a good middle grade book. So my first piece of pastiche that I want to talk about is Longborn by Joe Baker. I'm laughing because I just opened Goodreads to remind myself of the general plot and I rated it two stars. So, (laughs) oh man, I guess I didn't really like this one, but I do think about it often and I am glad that I read it because it really does, I think, not inform my reading of Pride and Prejudice, But there will be things I think about from Longbourn while I'm reading Pride and Prejudice or rereading it. So I don't know. Maybe I was just feeling really mean the day I clicked (laughs) two stars. When did you read it? I read it in 2017. Okay, that's not terribly long ago. Yeah. So I don't know. Take this with a grain of salt, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But I love the premise of this. So it is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice. It takes place over the events of the novel, and it's told from the perspective of a housemaid at Longbourn, the Bennett's home. And what I think is so great about this is we often think of, and we've talked a lot about the Bennett's precarious financial situation and how important that is to the plot of Pride and Prejudice. But these are still very wealthy people given the time period, right, who employed a household full of servants who didn't do their own cooking or cleaning. And I think it can be easy to forget that, like, the servants are not really on the page at all in Pride and Prejudice. So I love that Joe Baker kind of picked that up. And by looking at one housemaid in particular named Sarah, she really thinks about you know, how this household operated and maybe what these servants would have thought of, of the Bennets. Um, I, I know one review that I read of this at the time said that the pull quote from this book that was on the back cover is the best part of the whole book. (laughs) And that is true, but it is a great quote. So I'm going to read it to you. Joe Baker wrote, If Elizabeth Bennett had the washing of her own petticoats, Sarah often thought she'd most likely be a sight more careful with them. And I I love that because we all love the scene where Elizabeth shows up at Netherfield and her petticoats are eight inches deep in mud. 
And Joe Baker reminds us, well, of course she can be careless because she just hands them to a servant at the end of the day. So I think the premise of this is great. I'm sure the reason I didn't love it was there were probably things that I disagreed with in how she interpreted some of the characters or the themes of Pride and Prejudice. But I still think that looking through this perspective is a really cool exercise and and really enjoyable in its own right. So that is my half-hearted recommendation for Longborn by Jill Baker. I think maybe I am a little bit pickier about my retellings than I let on because I remember <laughs> picking up Longborn and then deciding, well, if it doesn't come with any perspective from Elizabeth and Darcy or the Bennett family, who are my favorite parts of the book, and that's like whose brain I want to be in or where I want to be, I just didn't care enough to be in the servant's perspective of the story. But I can see where as just reading it exclusively for, you know, the exercise of thinking about Pride and Prejudice from a different perspective, I think that would be fun. But that's not typically why I pick up a retelling. Absolutely. You want to be with, like you said, the family and the coziness of it and live in that world. And yeah, that's probably how I I felt too. And this is an important aspect of the world, but I think approaching it as an exercise or a point of interest rather than, oh, I get to be with the Bennets for 300 pages is the way to go. All right. I do have a retelling that is a lot of fun and is very much for the people who are like, I just want to be with those characters again. It is Death Comes to Pemberley by P.D. James. And this is a mystery novel. And it takes place six years after Elizabeth and Darcy got married and started their lives at Pemberley. So we get to see them later on into their marriage, which is fun. We get to see them interact with Jane and Bingley, who live nearby, and they are ready to throw an annual autumn ball. And it's just fun to see Elizabeth at Pemberley. So on the evening of the ball, all of a sudden, this carriage rolls up, and it's Lydia, and she is in hysterics because she says her husband, Wickham, has been murdered. That's not a spoiler. That's like, you know, within the beginning of the book. That's all jacket copy. And P.D. James writes a mystery where Elizabeth and Darcy have to solve this murder or this mystery that's like come to their doorstep, literally. And it's just a lot of fun. I, it's been so long since I've read this. I loved the, I think it might've been a masterpiece, PBS masterpiece adaptation. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I thought it was so good. I think Matthew Reese is an excellent Darcy and it was just a lot of fun and I really loved that adaptation. So the other thing to note about P.D. James is she knows her Austin and she is a prolific, very famous mystery writer. She actually held a lecture all about how Emma is the first mystery novel. And so P.D. James is really invested in Austin and really invested in the mystery genre. And I think seeing those come together from her, she just does a really great job. So I do genuinely like Death Comes to Pemberley. I might like the TV adaptation even better than the book. But 
an adaptation is an adaptation and it's a lot of fun. I I second this recommendation. This might actually be one of my favorites that I've read in this kind of in this vein or this category. I didn't know that about P.D. James and and her Emma lecture, but I, I did know that she was an Austin scholar and and she really tries to imitate Austin's writing and I think does a great job with it. I also love one of the things I adore about that book is the way she has the characters reckon with some of the awkwardness of the original, like how weird it must be for Darcy and Elizabeth, both that, you know, Lydia's married to Wickham, who, you know, not only had this whole sordid history with Darcy, but also who Elizabeth had kind of a crush on. And Colonel Fitzwilliam, too. I love how Darcy acknowledges that throughout that book that Elizabeth kind of had a thing for his cousin for a while. <laughs> like, I just think it's it's great how she she really delves into some of the nitty gritty things that people who love Pride and Prejudice are going to just really enjoy see popping up in her sequel. Yeah, she nails the characters, has a completely unique plot, and that might be one of the best ways to go about it. Okay, another one I really enjoyed, and I'm curious if you have read, Chelsea, is The Clergyman's Wife by Molly Greeley. Have you read this one? No, I've never even heard of it. Oh, I think you would really like it. It's about Charlotte, and it is a sequel, so it takes place in Charlotte's marriage to to Mr. Collins. It's a quiet book. I mean, nothing. There are no murders. Nothing outlandish (laughs) happens, but it's about how Charlotte is kind of, you know, reflecting on the fact that she really chose security over love and how that was the right choice for her at the time. But in this book, she, she meets someone who maybe shows her what romantic love could have looked like for her. I just think Molly Greeley really, really gets Charlotte, her practicality, but also her hopes and dreams. And I I love the way she depicts her as a wife and and a mother. We get to see Elizabeth in this book and Lady Catherine, of course, and Mr. Collins, but it really is Charlotte's book. And and I, I think it's just a great book about, you know, a woman's journey and contentment versus true happiness and sacrifice. And it's it's lovely. It's a really sweet book. I wouldn't say that Molly Greeley tries to really imitate Austen's writing or style. It's very much her own. But it it feels in some ways still kind of authentic to the to the time period, which I appreciate. She also has a new book called The Heiress, The Revelations of Anne de Berg. So this is about Lady Catherine's sickly daughter who was allegedly supposed to marry Mr. Darcy. And I'm really eager to read this one because I I think Greeley knows her Austin and really gets some of these sidelined characters. And I I liked re-entering Austin's world through her through her through her work. So that is 
The Clergyman's Wife by Molly Greeley, and then a bonus recommendation of The Heiress. Both of those sound really, really good. Yeah, I think you, I think as a Charlotte fan, you would like The Clergyman's Wife. I agree. Okay, I have another mystery to recommend. Fun. So this is First Impressions by Charlie Lovett. And Charlie Lovett was a rare bookseller. And so he has an affinity not only for the classics, but also for antiquarian books and sort of how these books were published and distributed. And that comes through in his novels in a really unique way. So First Impressions is about an Austin enthusiast, Sophie, and she gets a job at a rare bookshop in London. And through the interesting process of getting to know customers, she ends up wrapped up in a mystery that casts some doubt on the true authorship of Pride and Prejudice. And also her life is threatened. So the stakes are high for Austin's legacy and for Sophie herself. And this is a dual narrative. So it goes back and forth between Sophie in modern day and Jane Austen as Jane Austen is friends with the cleric Richard Mansfield. And so Charlie Lovett weaves this romantic mystery. It's a literary mystery. And I think that Austenites especially would enjoy it just with, he does a good job of um, honoring authors. Like all of his books are about a different classic. His most recent one is sort of inspired by the authorship of the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. And he just has a really interesting way about writing about old books And the way that he weaves Jane Austen's life with the present day is a lot of fun, especially if you like those sort of narratives that go back and forth. So if you like mystery, historical fiction, something that's a little bit more auto, or it's not autobiographical, just biographical of Jane Austen, but with just a touch, like Pride and Prejudice isn't necessarily the focus. It's not focused on the story of Pride and Prejudice. But Pride and Prejudice is part of the story. Then First Impressions by Charlie Lovett might be a good book to pick up. That one has been on my radar for a while. And I recently got a copy from my page one subscription. So I I hope to read it soon. But it's <laughs> it's one of those. I feel like we talk about this a lot with retellings. We just know we're always going to enjoy them. And so sometimes they sit on our shelves for a long time waiting for the right right moment. Yeah, it's always there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I mentioned somewhere that I really enjoy Mary Bennett as a character and that when I had my students write Pride and Prejudice fan fiction, I always liked the Mary stories. <laughs> and several authors have tried to do Mary Bennett novels, and the most recent example of this that I think actually is a pretty good one, is The Other Bennett Sister by Janice Hadlow. Okay, first of all, the cover is gorgeous. It just looks like a Regency-era lady just, you know, gazing into the camera or at the painter, whomever. And it just it just looks like you're about to immerse yourself in the world of Pride and Prejudice. 
which always draws me in. So this book, it's told in Mary's perspective. And about the the first part of the book, I'd say the first hundred pages, takes place over the course of Pride and Prejudice. And that part is really fun to see. We get to see the scene where Mr. Bennett embarrasses Mary at the ball and tells her to stop singing and playing the piano. We get to see Mary encounter Mr. Collins. And I know a lot of readers think that that just would have been such a good match, Mary and Mr. Collins. And Janice Hadlow definitely kind of toys with that idea as well. But the rest of the book follows Mary later in in life and how she grows and evolves as a person, really taking a look at her um, kind of desire for academic knowledge and scholarship and her seriousness in her pursuits, which are, are very much on the page in Pride and Prejudice. And then she does get a love story as well. I think this book is really well done. It's a little long because I think Hadlow does almost too good of a job nailing Mary Bennett. And Mary is not the most fun character. She's not the most fun narrator. (laughs) She's very serious. And so she comes across that way in the book. So I, I really, really enjoyed this as a Pride and Prejudice retelling and an author who really got Mary. But if you're looking for like a fun Austin romp, this is not it. Mary is not your fun narrator. So I think you just have to know like kind of what you what you want uh, from your Austin retelling. And if it is that character study and really kind of in-depth look at the way maybe a quote-unquote plain wallflower serious woman's life might have been like at this time, I think Hadlow nails it. So that is the other Bennett sister. All right. In our final pastiche recommendation, I have a couple of board books to recommend because I have gifted these to friends. I just think that they're adorable. So there is the Cozy Classics and the Little Miss Austin board books. And one of them, there are like these little felt dolls that like act out the scenes. And then another one is a counting book associated with some of the things in Pride and Prejudice. They're both so cute. If you have an Austin fan in your life who is expecting a baby, I highly recommend these. They're just adorable. And I had to mention them. I second them. My my niece loves the counting book and she really, she particularly loves the page that's for proposals. And she likes to say, no way when Mr. Collins proposes to Elizabeth, which is adorable. (laughs) That is precious. I love it. (laughs) It's very cute when you can get like a two or three-year-old to know that Pemberley is Mr. Darcy's house. (laughs) Before we get into our retelling section, Sarah, have you been listening to any good audiobooks lately? Well, just this morning, I started listening to Act Your Age, Eve Brown by Talia Hibbert, which I know you loved. And I'm, I think, six chapters in and already loving as well. 
So, yes, she's great. Great on audio. Highly recommend doing her collection on Libro if you are an audiobook listener. How about you, Chelsea? I'm so glad that you're enjoying that one. I loved it so much. Um, I started listening to A Thousand Ships by Natalie Haynes, which I think that you read. Mm -hmm. And I like it. I like that it's kind of short story format. So I'm able to dip in and out of it and listen to other books because I also have Zora Neale Hurston's Dust Tracks on a Road, her memoir autobiography downloaded because Bonnie Turpin narrates it. Oh, of course she does. I'm going to have to get that. Definitely. It was on sale a while back. I don't know if it still is. If it is, definitely scoop it up. We love Libro FM. One of the reasons we do is they often have great sales. So in addition to your credit once a month to get whatever audiobook you want, you can also browse their sales and members get 30% additional off the sale price. So sometimes you can get audiobooks for 3 or $4, which just can't be beat. Yeah, that's a really great deal. And the best part is all of that goes to support your favorite independent bookstore. So if you want to support independent bookstores and talk about audiobooks with us in our little Libro FM listening club here, you just go to Libro FM. You can use our code novel pairings in order to get two audiobooks for the price of one. And we also have a link in the show notes so that it's easy for you to just click on that and go right to the sign up page. So when you go to switch to Libro FM for your audiobook subscription, just make sure you use the code novel pairings. All right, Chelsea, let's get into these retellings. And the first one we're going to talk about not only is a mutual recommendation, but is also a great audiobook, speaking of, it is Pride by E.B. Zaboy. This is YA. It is a Pride and Prejudice remix, she calls it, which I love, and it's set in, in Brooklyn. Our Elizabeth of this story is named Zuri. She has a big, boisterous family, as you would expect, and she has a lot of Brooklyn pride. She loves her community. She loves her family. I love the way Zaboy writes her Zuri Elizabeth that way because that is so true of Elizabeth Bennett. She just, she loves her people so much. So the book kicks off when the wealthy Darcy family moves into Zuri's neighborhood with their two teenage sons, Ainsley and Darius. And in this one, our Bingley character and our Darcy character are brothers, which is really sweet and kind of simplifies the story a bit in a, in a great way. Zuri's sister really falls for Ainsley Darcy, but Zuri and Darius really just cannot see eye to eye. Zuri thinks that he's snobby, and she is upset about his family kind of gentrifying and changing her beloved neighborhood. Then the rest of the book kind of follows the Pride and Prejudice plot. So the setup is just fantastic. I think Zaboy is so smart in how she sets this both in a, in a high school setting, but not in like the hallways of the high school. But we still have these really 
lively teenage characters who feel very much like the Pride and Prejudice characters we love. And I just, I love how she hones in on the themes of Pride and Prejudice. I mean, the book is called Pride, and we see the pride of both of these characters, and she just really gets it and does it in such a fantastic way. And this is a great one for high school students, too. Um, A great book to bring into the classroom or use a summer reading or something like that. Okay, this next retelling is... It's kind of a loose retelling, I have to say. It is not as direct as some of these, and I kind of like that about it because then the expectation isn't necessarily that, oh, every character is going to fit this specific mold, but just that it is more inspired. I will say I thought that the best part of Aisha at Last by Uzma Jalaluddin was the Mr. Bennett, Eliza, those aren't their names, but those are the, you know, the characters that are based on them. That relationship was perfect. And I thought that that was the best thing and the most closely related to Pride and Prejudice. So Aisha at last is about Aisha and she dreams of being a poet, but for now she just has to pay the bills and she takes a teaching job. So she's teaching and living with her boisterous Muslim family. And she has this younger cousin, Hafsa, who keeps rejecting marriage proposals. And you kind of get the sense that this is a Lydia-like character. She's kind of flighty and um, a lot of fun. And Aisha is like the practical one. And then Aisha meets Khalid, who is smart and handsome, but also super judgy. And she sees him as being way too much of a conservative Muslim for her. But she misjudges him, as Pride and Prejudice Inspired would tell you that they do. So they have the Elizabeth Darcy kind of relationship where it's just a bad first impression and recovering from that. And it's really sweet. This is closed door. I would even call it chaste for a romance novel. So if you like romance, but you don't love open door scenes, this is the one that I always recommend to people. But it's also just a great Pride and Prejudice retelling just in in certain moments. It's not, like I said, it's looser than some other retellings, but certain moments are really closely tied to Pride and Prejudice. And I think that the author just does a great job with it. It takes place in Toronto. I loved learning a little bit more about the Muslim community in Toronto. And Aisha is a character to root for. So that is Aisha at last, one of my favorites. Another modern retelling. This one is widely known. I think a very popular one is Eligible by Curtis Sittenfeld. Have you read this one? I did. And I liked it. I love Curtis Sittenfeld. She is a fantastic writer. And like we talked about in the beginning, that's the most important thing to us in picking up a retelling is just an author who you trust and you feel like you're in capable hands and and the writing works. And that is very true for Eligible. I like that this version ages up the Bennett daughters. So it like makes a little bit more sense that they their parents feel like rushing them into marriage. 
Elizabeth and Jane, I think, are in their late 30s, maybe Jane even early 40s. Um, they both live in in New York. Elizabeth is a magazine editor. Jane is a yoga instructor. I like I really liked the depiction of Jane in this one as as kind of um just earthy and um, I don't know, go with the flow in a way that makes sense in, in a modern setting. They have to return home to Cincinnati when their father, Mr. Bennett, all of the names really are the same here, has a health scare. And then we get five Bennett sisters living under one rooftop. Kitty and Lydia are like exercise fanatics. Mary is working on her third online master's degree. I just think there are little specifics in this one that Sittenfeld uses to really just take some of the aspects of the characters we know and love and bring them into the modern world. Of course, things kick off when Chip Bingley, who's a handsome doctor, moves to town. The book is called Eligible because Chip Bingley appeared on a reality dating show called Eligible. So everybody is very excited that now he's living in town. But his friend is less popular. He's a neurosurgeon. His name is Fitzwilliam Darcy. And he and Liz, of course, have a terrible first impression at a 4th of July barbecue. And this is just a it's a really fun retelling. It is, it's in the Austin Project series, which tasked different authors with retelling one of Austin's works. I think there are only four out, and I think this is the latest one, so we haven't got gotten one in a while. Hopefully more will be coming down the pipeline soon. I think one of the things I appreciated about this book, but maybe would be a turnoff to some readers, is Sittenfeld doesn't shy away from the less lovable qualities of these characters even for the lovable characters. So Elizabeth Bennett really thinks she's smarter than everyone. Jane is really a pushover. <laughs> and I think those things are are accurate. And she's not afraid to, to show that. So this is a fun one. It is Eligible, a modern retelling of Pride and Prejudice by Curtis Sittenfeld. All right, we're going to take a total turn from all of these modern retellings that take place in present day. And we're going to talk about a fantasy retelling of Pride and Prejudice. This is the book that I just started today. And the first line of the first chapter is not the famous line, but on the back of the book, a little blurb says, they say a writer in possession of a good blade must be in want of a monster to slay. And Maryborn Manor has plenty of monsters. So this is about Eliza Bentain. And she has lost a sister to griffins. These griffins are attacking people in Maryborn. And the people of Maryborn don't have a lot of money, but they decide to scrape together all of the possible funds that they have in order to hire a band of writers to hunt the griffins. And so she's really relieved that the writers are here in order to sort of save the town. Well, one of those writers is a dragon writer, and his name is Alistair Darid. 
And he's the Darcy character. He's handsome and super full of himself. And I like the way that the book sets up how his wealth and status is different from hers because it's not like he's coming in with a fortune, but he has this status because he's a dragon rider and he gets paid a lot because he's like really good at what he does and he's got these special skills. So she's expecting to sort of like duke it out with him um, and, you know, just like expecting that he'll go take care of business, but she doesn't expect that they're going to flirt and get kind of romantic. Um, there's a mystery element to this book that I'm excited to uncover. And so far I'm liking it. I mean, I'm only a little ways in. Sometimes it takes me a while to get acclimated to a fantasy novel, but having the familiarity with Pride and Prejudice and starting to see some of the connections is helping me get into this fantasy more than is usual for me with, with a fantasy book. So it's fun. It's a trilogy. So I'm curious to see where that goes. That's Heartstone by L. Catherine White. And it's the first one. So I will report back on Heartstone, but so far it's a lot of fun. All right. A book on my TBR is Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors by Sonali Dev. I read Recipe for Persuasion last year, and it was really fun. And she's retelling all of the Austin books in her Raj's series. And this series all follows the Raj's, who are an immigrant Indian family. They're descended from royalty but they have had to leave India and they are rebuilding their lives in San Francisco. So all of the Austin retellings that Sonali Dev is doing are interconnected, which I love. I see, I love seeing characters pop up um, in authors' works from, from book to book. And so I'm really excited to keep going with this. Pride and Prejudice and Other Flavors is actually the first book in the series. You certainly don't have to read them in order. I read the Persuasion one first, but if you love Pride and Prejudice, this is probably a great one to start with. So this is Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors, which is Sonali Dev's Pride and Prejudice retelling in her Raj's series. I have another Pride and Prejudice retelling that I've heard good things about, but I haven't read yet. And I always see it on lists with Pride and Prejudice and other flavors. So this is Unmarriageable by Sonia Kamal. And this one is set in modern day Pakistan. And the Binat family, there's this horrible rumor that was spread about them. And so they have fallen from fortune. So I love that these books open in a similar way with the focus on the family. And... I mean, I don't, I don't know too much about the plot of this one, but something that I love that Kamal did is she has Alice, who is the Elizabeth character, teaching English literature, and she teaches Jane Austen to her students. And so I think it's fun that that is incorporated in a Pride and Prejudice retelling. It's so meta. So I just imagine... They're reading Pride and Prejudice while you're in this Pride and Prejudice retelling. And I'm curious to see how that pans out. But I've heard from friends that this is a really great retelling. And 
that they really liked it, especially the sharp-witted Mr. Bennett character. I, I think maybe that is the mark of a great retelling for me. I love when people really get the dad characters in these. Um, but it just, it sounds like fun. So especially for a different setting, I very rarely read a book set in Pakistan. So that is Unmarriageable by Sonia Kamal. Yeah, that one's been on my radar too. One that has been on my radar for a long time, and I'm actually putting this one out, I think more as a question to listeners. If you've read this, do you think I should read it? (laughs) It is Bridget Jones' Diary by Helen Fielding. Of course, I've seen the movie. I found the movie really fun and funny uh, when I first watched it, but I really can imagine that it hasn't aged well. I mean, it really dwells a lot on Bridget's weight is like a huge component in this, which I just think, I don't know, I don't love. But I think that the Pride and Prejudice retelling elements of this, and especially like the the Wickham Darcy twists that she puts in here, I like how, at least in the movie, it really is focused on Elizabeth or or Bridget falling for the wrong guy, which, you know, is brief in Pride and Prejudice, but does happen. And so I've always been kind of curious about picking the book version of Bridget Jones up. And maybe I will. If I do, I'll report back. But listeners, if you've read it, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Bridget Jones and if you think it is a solid Pride and Prejudice retelling. All right. This last retelling, I've heard great things about. It is Unequal Affections by Laura Ormiston. And it takes us to the proposal scene at the parsonage and asks the question, what would happen if Elizabeth sat back and thought, hmm, actually, this is probably a really good idea. And what if she said yes to Darcy, but said, look, I'll marry you, but you have to know that I don't feel the same way about you. And how would he deal with that from there? Hence the title, Unequal Affections. So this sounds fun. After reading the description, I really want to read it. And I think that it especially dives into Darcy and who he is as a character, as a man, and his feelings for Elizabeth. So I just think that that question is really interesting. Like, what if she had accepted him at that moment? Because obviously she wasn't going to say yes enthusiastically after he just insulted her family and she was thrown for a loop. But what if she stepped back and thought, okay, you're rich and like you're a decent looking dude. At least you're not going to bug me and you can like go off to the other side of Pemberley away from me. (laughs) So what if she said yes? And I think that that's fascinating. So I think that I'll be picking this one up at the end of, well, actually we are at the end of the month as this episode airs, but I think I'll be picking this one up after all of our Pride and Prejudice talk because I think it'll be fun to read after being so immersed and connected to these characters. So that is Unequal Affections by Laura Ormiston. 
It's going to be hard to leave Pride and Prejudice world as we move into April. I know we can keep reading the retellings and watching, and I'm sure we will, but it's just been such a delight to be immersed in these in these stories. Well, the good news for listeners is if they are not already over on our Patreon page, we have a bunch of Austin goodness for them so they can stay immersed in Pride and Prejudice for as long as they want to. We have bonus episodes. We have a Jane Austen class that we recorded so they can go back and watch it anytime. And one of those bonus episodes is all about Pride and Prejudice film and TV adaptations, which we didn't even have time to talk about at all today. So that episode is a lot of fun. If you want to go and listen to it, go to patreon.com slash novel pairings. All right, listeners, we'll keep spreading the word about Novel Pairings podcast by sending your friends a link to your favorite episode or taking a screenshot of what you're listening to right now and sharing it on Instagram or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which really, truly makes a difference for us and helping new listeners find us. Thank you to Michelle Timmons for her assistance and to Miles Eichner and Mark Anderson for our theme music. Next week, we'll be back with an episode on Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin. Until then, we declare after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything.